Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. The birth of Jesus is foretold. And if you'd like to join me, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1 today, verses 26 through 56. And this is not an endorsement, but my wife and I went with some friends and we saw the chosen uh, Christmas edition, basically, movie. And I'm telling you what, I have never seen one episode of The Chosen. How many of y'all watch that series? Anybody? It is amazing. It is like, it is like I told, told our friends, it's like you read the Bible and all of a sudden it's there in front of you in three, 3D. It's just beautiful the way they do that. So they did the Christmas version. Uh, but I'm going to go check the rest of The Chosen out again. That's not a, a not a plug, not an, a, um, not an advertisement, but I'm going to tell you what. If there are things that can help you understand the Bible more clearly, uh, a movie is no no replacement for God's Word, but sometimes it can help you think about it in ways that may open your eyes. So with all of that said, let's jump right in. From the beginning of our existence, mankind has known that there is more to life than just what we see or experience. I would hope that there is more to life than just getting up, going through the day, going to bed, getting up and doing it again. You see, the purpose of God, the very purpose of God is woven into your DNA. It is inherently in you. And we were made by God to be with God. You realize that, right? God made us to be with Him. We were made by God to be with God. But because of the fall, because of sin, we have been separated from him. So God did whatever he needed to do to bring us back to him. This was not an accident or a random chain of events that we're looking at today. But from the very beginning of time, before the first even character of Scripture was written in the Bible, God's plan was being revealed. His plan for your redemption and mine. So let's jump into the passage. The first thing that we see, we're going to look at verses 26 through 34 and see that God used everyday people to do extraordinary things. There is nothing that drives me crazier than hearing people say, well, I couldn't do that. I'm to this or I'm to that or I'm to whatever. Look, look, I understand that. I mean, there are things that I've had to turn down because of either scheduling, abilities, get to this, you name it. But what I'm saying is, is that everybody thinks, oh, boy, what if a celebrity were to get to know the Lord and then the whole world would listen to that celebrity and then we would have revival? Well, Kanye West was pretty popular. How'd that work out? You know, we, we, how many, how many award shows have we seen where these actors and actresses would say, and I give glory to the Lord my God and Father. And you can't even take your kids to go see the movie that they acted in. You know, I, 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 this is not a side rant about movies and media and things like that. But what I'm saying is, is that we are looking for God to use the preacher. We're looking for God to use the evangelist. We're looking for another Billy Graham. We are looking for all of these big people to do big things when in reality God's not looking for the big people. He's looking for the small people to make them big. He's looking for everyday Homeland Park kind of folks. And He's using them. And will continue to use them. It says in verse 26, in the sixth Month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. See, just real quick, the whole importance of Joseph is that many years ago, hundreds of years ago, it was prophesied that Jesus would come from the line of King David. And this is the link. This is the connection right here is Joseph. And it says in verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, if you are a woman and an angel comes and greets you and calls you favored, you're already having a different kind of day. And then they say, the Lord is with you. Well, of course, how do you think she felt? Verse 29 says, she was confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think about what could the angel mean? Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Then Mary asked the angel, but how could this happen? I am a virgin. I would say to that, fair question. Right? Fair question. What we see here is that God speaks to the people he seeks to use. My dear friend, if God is prompting at your heart, if God is working in you, if God is speaking to you, it's because he has a plan for you. Maybe he's drawing you unto himself for salvation. Maybe he's drawing you unto himself for you to give him control of your life. Maybe he's drawing you unto himself to do something for him. You see, God sent the angel Gabriel to speak with Mary. An angel in Scripture is basically, it means God's messenger. God sent a messenger. And Gabriel has also previously appeared in Scripture. He appeared to Zechariah earlier in this chapter when he said that he and his wife Elizabeth would be pregnant, which made no sense because they were senior adults. Yeah. And you see, if we had a senior adult in our church that got pregnant, TMZ would be on the doors. We'd be popular. And some of the seniors all said, that ain't me. I don't want that. But the truth of the matter is, is that Gabriel did come into Mary and say, look, this is going to happen. And Gabriel also, he was a pretty old angel because 500 years earlier he appeared to the prophet Daniel in Daniel chapter 8. So this messenger of God was an angel, a timeless angel. And there is no doubt that Gabriel was bringing a world changing message to Mary. That leads us to a question. Why doesn't God speak through angels today? You'll hear some people say that I have a guardian angel. You'll hear people say that I speak with angels. And I mean, some of this thing is very far-fetched, but let me tell you why God doesn't speak through angels today. I'm not saying the angels aren't among us. I'm not saying that angels aren't doing God's bidding. But what I am saying, as far as an angel coming to you and giving you a prophetic message, those days are over. And why is that? Because God has spoken all that he needed to say right here. This is God's last, full, complete, authoritative Final word, if you want to know God, if you want to know his plan for your life, it's right here. 
That's why he doesn't need to speak in those ways. It's because they didn't have the Bible as we know it today. So he spoke through messengers. Second Timothy verses three, chapter 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. And we'll look at that later. Uh, Revelation twenty-two eighteen talks about that if anyone adds anything to this book, if, they, if someone tries to come and say, hey, this is all great, but we've got a new interpretation, we've got a further message, we have got another thing that needs to be added to it, it says that if you do that, even the plagues of Revelation will be put upon you. This is God's final word. It's all, it's all inspired. It is inerrant. And it is everything that we need. So that's the first reason God doesn't speak through Angel's Day. And the second thing is, is that God sent his son Jesus to die for your sins and mine. We celebrate little baby Jesus in the manger this month. And in Christmas, we will, we will spend our time celebrating what he has done. But my friends, let me ask you something. Why are people asking for God to give them signs when he's already given us the greatest sign he could ever give, the death of his only son. How much more do you need to know that God loves you than the fact that he sent his son to die for you, for the sins you've done, for the sins you are in the middle of, and for the sins you're going to do in the future? What more do we need? Do we need to, to order the, the famous uh, purple cloth that the evangelist breathed on so that we can have his spirit all over it? No. Do we need him to blow his coat and put it on us so we can have some special revelation? No. This is the revelation of God. And Jesus Christ is the ultimate revelation of God because he is all human and he is all God. And I don't know why I'm shouting. I guess I'm just excited. Whew. I need to take a pill probably. But... As I move on, God speaks to where we are. God speaks to where we are. I see it, and I've been there, folks. I've been in the pew, and you've been in that situation where you think, oh, my goodness, every sermon I hear, is he's, he's talking to me. I've been in that situation, and I'm going to tell you, I know it's uncomfortable, but here's the thing. God speaks to you where you are. It doesn't matter if you are one step away from heaven or you are the worst, worst, foulest sinner in the world. God will speak to you right where you are. He will speak to you in your unbelief. He will speak to you in your belief. He will speak to you in your strength. He will speak to you in your weakness. He will speak to you in your good days. And he will speak to you in your bad days. Wherever you are, in whatever sin you're in the middle of, whatever is consuming you, he comes to you. God did not go to the most prominent city or select a more prominent woman to bring his son into the world. Folks, he chose a young teenage girl who was promised to be married to a man named Joseph. We have some young girls and young men in here today, roughly their age. Being an adult back in biblical days, I believe, was 12 years old. She was young. She was scared. But God called her. Mary would be the girl that you see every day, but do not notice. Some of you know what that feels like. You would not gain any credibility points from telling someone you were from Nazareth either. You see, when Philip was telling the future disciple Nathaniel about Jesus being from Nazareth, <clears throat> you know what Nathaniel's response was? He said to John 146, Nazareth? 
Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see for yourself. Nazareth Nazareth was a no-name town. Mary was a no-name girl right where they were in the middle of their, their lives. And then God pulled them out of it to do the most monumental act in history. Why did God choose Mary? Well, it says in verse 28, the Lord is with you. That's number one. Number two, verse 30 we see, he says, you have found favor with God. And then the third thing, notice Mary's state of mind. (laughs) Words like confused, disturbed, afraid, and asking, how in the world is this going to happen? Those are the kind of people God looks for, the people that that don't understand but are willing to take God at his word. And God's plan was inconceivable as even it is today. The virgin birth is debated in lecture halls every single day. There are libraries filled with books for and against the virgin birth. I can never, I'll never forget sitting in a religion class of a Christian school that is very close to this church. That at the time, the professor was telling us that the virgin birth was not real. And me being a little Sunday school boy, I was like, that's not what my Sunday school teacher said to me. And I had to dig, and I had to look, and I had to realize why he was saying that. And I had to to defend the fact of why I thought what the Bible says is what the Bible is. says in verse 30 through 31, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as a virgin, if you have a child, that confounds the science world. The doctors probably won't understand that. I'm sure that uh, the biology folks would have a problem with that. But here's the importance of the virgin birth. Denying a physical physical connection between Mary and Jesus would imply that Jesus was not truly human. The reason God had to use Mary is because Mary was human, and if he was going to identify with us, he had to come in a form that we would understand. My friends, if God were to show himself today in his full form, we would melt before him because of his holiness and the unholiness that we have in our lives. But that is why he sent Jesus. Scripture teaches that Jesus was fully human with a physical body like ours. I'm sure he had knee pain. I'm sure he had a, a crick in his back every now and then. I bet as a boy he had acne. I mean, all of these things... That, that we deal with. Jesus knew because he was human. But at the same time, he was fully God. And Jesus was not born in sin. He had no sinful nature. The re- one of the reasons that he, she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit is because if it would have been another man, even if it would have been Joseph, her husband-to-be, because of the doctrine of original sin, Joseph is not perfect. No father would have been perfect. There would have been a seed of sin in that baby. God had to make it to where there was no sin in the birth of Jesus. The birth defied the transmission of sin nature and allowed the eternal God to become a perfect man. 
And Luke knew what he was writing about because regarding the, the virgin birth, because Luke was a doctor, folks. He, he knows things. He, he knows what a man and a woman is. He knows what it means to give birth to a child, for someone to be pregnant. He knew all of these things. He knew how the process worked. Luke was a researcher. He talked with Mary on several occasions about the events that he wrote down. And Luke knew that God who could create a universe from nothing could cause a virgin to be impregnated. God named Jesus even before he arrived. He said, he told her, look, name him Jesus, which means Jehovah is salvation. One thing I, did, I didn't pick up on, and maybe I, I probably should stick to my notes, but in the movie it kind of brought it out. You know, Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, right? Swaddling clothes. Well, those swaddling clothes actually came from Back in that day, when you had uh, sheep and livestock, you would have to give the firstborn animal as a sacrifice. And you would, you would wrap them in these tight, clean linens, place them in a manger or a trough, and sacrifice them. So when you hear that Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, it's not something cute you can say, oh, isn't that precious? It looks like a little papoose. You know what a papoose is? Isn't that like an Indian baby? Okay, good. Make sure I got that right. Phew. But the thing is, is that even in Jesus' birth, it was a foreshadowing of the death that he would die for you and I. He was the, the first fruit, the sacrificial lamb. And so what we see with this is his faith. You must believe God even when you do not understand him. That's what Mary teaches us. You must believe God when you do not understand him. And that is called faith, my friend. You are in the middle of a battle, some of you, and you do not understand what God is doing. And I understand that, but you've got to have faith to believe that he's with you. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Because if you did, you wouldn't need faith, you wouldn't need God, and you would do it all on your own. Faith. You must believe in God, even when you do not understand Him. So, see, God can use you in every day for His glory. No matter where you are, where you're from, your background, your history, God can use you. And we see here that God's plan for our redemption was playing out in the life of a scared teenage girl that was willing to trust God and the promises that he made. Did you notice what he told her? He said, Mary, do not be afraid. And I'm sure many times through the process, she had to remind herself that God said, do not be afraid. The second thing we see is God's plan will never fail. God's plan will never fail. Verses 35 through 38, the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she conceived a son, and now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. In other words, Mary said, sign me up. I'm going to do it. God's Holy Spirit carries out his plan through us, folks. Luke refers to the Holy Spirit seven times just in the first two chapters of Luke. 
The Spirit overshadowing Mary meant it gave emphasis to the fact that the holy presence of God would be involved in this conception. Is it too far to think that the same God that blew breath into the pile of dust to make Adam would be the same God that could overshadow Mary and impregnate her? It's not a far stretch, is it? This is the only way Jesus could have been born in this world. Unblemished and holy without sin, but still human like you and I. That's the thing you've got to remember, folks. When he was crucified, he was sinless. The only time Jesus knew what sin was is when your sin was placed upon him on the cross. Then he felt the full weight of it. But God is working in you, believer. And to those who don't believe him, you will not know the power that is found through the Holy Spirit until you quit rejecting it. Because as we see in this passage, the Holy Spirit draws you to Jesus. The Holy Spirit keeps you in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers you to live for Jesus. So the word of God will never fail. Other translations say nothing is impossible with God. The word of God will never fail. I mentioned in this verse earlier and there's the reference, 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us even when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Folks, reading the Bible is more than a Sunday thing. It's a life thing. Think about it. You can base every decision in your life on God's Word and know that He is faithful and true. And why can you trust God? Because God is unchangeable. If you cannot trust God, he is not God. We can trust God even in the most difficult circumstances because no problem is too tough for him to handle. The last, well, second to the last thing we see is that God will bring others to help fulfill his plan. God will bring others to help fulfill his plan. Verses 39 through 45 says, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill countryside of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. So she went to go see her relative. She said, you're not going to believe what I just heard. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child that was within her leaped within her. We know that that child was John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. So when Mary shows up, the baby whoo, is having a party in her tummy. So she's like, wow, there's something going on here. Said the, the baby jumped for joy in her womb. Now, I would never even venture to say I know what it's like to carry a baby because I would get smacked by every woman in here that's ever born one. But I, I, can't, I, I don't know what, the, what it feels like to have a baby moving in your tummy, but uh, I can imagine it was a very special thing to see and to feel and to know that that baby responded to what God was doing in Mary. And in verse 42, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? So here we see already that Elizabeth, is. there's a separation. No longer are they kinfolk. She is now saying Mary is the mother of my Lord. So what you see here is that by Elizabeth saying that, she is already confirming to Mary what God is going to do. 
My friends, you want to surround yourselves with people in your life that are confirming and supporting and nurturing what God wants to do in your life. Mary wanted to see what God was doing in Elizabeth's life. Well, she was bringing John the Baptist into the world. But God confirmed his work in Mary. Folks, be an encourager to others. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it's it's a struggle sometimes to do the Lord's work. Y'all know that. But I'll tell you what. I know one complaint will get rid of a thousand attaboys. That's the way it works. That's the way everybody works. But try to be an encourager. You never know who's going to need it. And it might just encourage you when you do it. Finally, Mary's song gives proof to her resolve. Mary's song gives proof to her resolve. She's going to follow through with this job, folks. We see in verse 46, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She's saying, look, I was nothing before God got a hold of my life. She realized that. Do you realize that? I know I realized that, that I thought I was something until I realized I was nothing. And when Jesus came to my life, I became something. And it wasn't because of me. It was because I was blessed. It says, verse 49, For he is the mighty one, is, he the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has tremendous things, has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. Folks, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there are a lot of people that we see on our news feeds that are important people. The, our bosses are our important people. Our people that pay our paycheck are important people. The people that make our laws are important people. The people who enforce our laws are important people. The legislatures, the, the president, the, the, all these politicians, they are important people. And some of them think they're too important. But one day all of us will be humbled. The, the greatest king will be a pauper and the greatest pauper will receive their crown. Because of the work of Jesus Christ. It says in 55, for he made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. That's really key. I'll talk about it in one second. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then went back to her home. There's two things we see here. Number one, Mary accepted her part in God's plan. That's where she said, okay, let's ride. Let's do it. God, I'm resolving. I'm going to do this. She accepted her part, and God began to work. My friends, God will work in your life when you accept the part he's asking of you. Also, God keeps his promises. I told you to look at verse 55 for a minute where it mentions Abraham. I don't know if you remember this, but when there was a time in Genesis chapter 22 where Abraham, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And just as Abraham had the knife up, ready to strike his son, God said, stop. And he provided a lamb and said, I just, I want to make you this promise, Abraham, because of your obedience, your, your family, your descendants will be honored for eternity. This is keeping that promise that was made to Abraham so many years before. So in conclusion, I would say God's plan for Jesus 
is for your good. God's plan for Jesus. As we look at the birth of Jesus being foretold, and as we, we get ready to have our, our wonderful Christmas dinner, and y'all are you're getting your last-minute gifts and, and trying to, to beat the rush and all these kind of things, and we are uh, putting together what we're going to do with the church, and the, the children are practicing some songs. They're going to sing them on the 19th. It's going to be so cute. All of these great things are going to be happening for Christmas. But the greatest thing that happened in Christmas was the birth of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a fairy tale. It wasn't made up. From the beginning of time, before Genesis 1-1 was even written, the plan was, is for Jesus to be born as a humble child in a humble cave in a manger from, from Mary He came into this world in such a humble way. Why did Jesus come to this world in such a humble way? Because if he would have come in like he's going to come in in Revelation, he's coming in hot in Revelation. He's coming in as a warrior. But in this way, look, is anybody really intimidated by a baby in a manger? The reason God, the creator of this world, came to us in the form of a baby in a manger, is to show that he is accessible. He wants a relationship with you. And he will do whatever he needs to make that happen. Can you imagine if we didn't have God's word teaching us how to live from a man who lived the life that we live? God has a plan for your redemption. This plan costs God dearly. But his benefits will be eternal. For the month of December, we celebrate the moments leading up to the birth of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. But the best way to do that, if God is working in your life, if God is calling you to come to him for salvation, to come to you to serve him, or if God is calling you to do something, today is the day, folks. Say, well, I'm afraid. I'm sure Mary was afraid, too. But what did God say? Do not be afraid. Our invitation is simple this morning. If you'd like to come forward and pray with me, if you would like to uh, come to the altar and pray, or you want to pray where you're at, that's fine. But if the Lord is calling you to commit to him, just like Mary, calling to commit to him for a plan, again, for salvation and forgiveness of your sins, to truly understand what Christmas really means, or maybe just to rededicate, or, or God may be working on your life in some other way, you come forward. We'll pray with you. There's not one person that will be upset if one person comes up here to know Christ as their Savior and Lord. I promise you. Let's pray. God, thank you for this service. Thank you for the fact that we can believe, God, that your Son, Jesus Christ, came to die for our sins. And so, dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now in these moments, if there's one person here that would like to make a decision to follow you, to return to you, or to join this church or to be baptized, Lord, whatever it may be, today is the day. We love you, Lord. May whoever respond, Lord, be prompted by you, for it's in your name.